Welcome to the Finance and Investments Student Association's FISA Fireside Chats with Matthew and Oliver. Welcome everyone to our new episode of the Fireside Chat with Matt and Oliver. We're super happy to uh, have an amazing guest with us today, Alice Saint-Louis, which is uh, an analyst in energy infrastructure at uh, Power Sustainable. So welcome to the podcast, Alice. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very excited. So we're, we're going to start with the, the classic. Maybe if you could give us a bit of background about yourself, your time at Concordia, and uh, we'll, go, uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm a Frenchie from Montreal. Uh, I went to Brebeuf and then I went to GMSB. And I've always been very social. So right when I started university, I wanted to get involved. Uh, so that's when I joined FISA at CP Events which was very fitting. And from that, I went to firm tour. So that's when a bunch of finance students go to Toronto to meet with banks and funds. Um, and I really enjoyed that time. So then I applied for the Vembercom program, so it's the small cap investing program at Concordia. Uh, and I got in. And from that, after I got my first internship in private equity at NovaCap, I was in the industry fund. So I was investing, you know, in, in very uh, traditional companies like manufacturing and, and things like that. Um, and then from NovaCap, I got an internship at BMO in, on the trading floor. So my first summer, I did a rotational program. Um, so I was touching like different products that we trade and then I got another summer internship because I did the, more than three years of university. So another internship at DMO again as an FX or so foreign exchange trader. We can get into that later if you want. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I got a full-time offer. So I started uh, in January 2022 as an analyst on the trading floor at BMO, I was covering corporate clients. So those are big businesses. Um, and I was covering the foreign exchange and interest rate desk. So again, we can, I can get into that later. Uh, but to me, the days were a bit too repetitive. So after four months, I decided to uh, look for other opportunities more in the private equity side. Um, and that's when uh, I met with my current boss at uh, Power Sustainable, and I just fell in love with the team, and I've been with them since June 2022. So that's a little overview. Of my Great. Background. Well, thank you for that. So one thing that we like to discuss a lot on the podcast is, you know, finding your first internship. And in your case, you know, you went right to, you know, a re very reputable private equity firm at, for your first internship. And if I'm not mistaken, I think the timeline was around when COVID was starting. So I think Novacap had been growing very quickly for, for a couple of few years. So we, we'd be curious to hear maybe what you think set yourself apart in the recruitment process and how you landed that internship. And given that it was your first one, did you endure like a very steep learning curve on the job? Yeah, well, that's a very good question. So actually, I joined Novacap in January 2020. So I had two months, two months in office and then right away was COVID. Um, but yeah, I think, so the first question, I think what set me apart was my personality. And I'm not saying this like, you know, <laughs> showing off, 
but I'm very social. And I think, um, so you have, obviously you have to be smart. You have to have good grades. You have to have all of that. But now everyone has, well, not everyone, but a lot of students have good grades. A lot of students have a good CV. Like they've done, you know, they, they're in FISA or in Denverthum or whatever in uh, KW. So I think the next step now is really to be able to do those coffee chats, uh, be able to connect with people on like a personal level. Um, because at the end of the day, you work a lot of hours in those jobs and the analysts, the associate, they want to have people that they bond with, right? They want to have fun with you. They want to be able to like have dinner with you, right? Because when I was working at NovaCap, we were having dinner at the office every single day, Monday to Thursday. Um, so the fit is very important. Um, and about the learning curve. So funny enough, my first day at NovaCap, I didn't even know, I shouldn't say that, they, they won't be happy, <laughs> but I didn't even know how to use Excel. Like I knew nothing, uh, but, you know, I think they saw that I really wanted to learn and being in office really helped for the learning curve. I think that's, uh, you know, a negative uh, consequence of COVID that in turns, it's really hard to learn like at the same beat as when you're in office. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after like two months, I was like running my deals with like me, VP and like partner, you know, I didn't need an, uh, an analyst or an associate. Um, just because there's so much deal flow. So that's when like uh, banks or like sellers will send a firm, like a presentation saying like, it's a little teaser and then we have to analyze it. And then we see if we want to pursue and like analyze the deal more. So when we say there's a lot of deal flow, it's like there we're getting a lot of sell opportunities sent to us. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's amazing. And I think you mentioned a lot of, of good points. Attitude is definitely super important in the industry and the hard skills can be taught along the way. And I'm going to have a shameless plug here. I was also VP events. So to all the students, don't be scared to come to the, the FISO events. We have some uh, <clears throat> some great upcoming events. And I think that's also one way to to kind of step foot in the industry and meet the, the, the right people. Alice, I'm sure you met some... Uh, some great people along the way that probably help you join the Van Burkham program. We also have the, the sustainable program, the Kenneth Woods program. We have all these great opportunities. So don't be shy to, to get involved. So to come back to you, Alice, I, I know this is finance is a, is a male dominated industry. You know, we're both males and we even had a hard time learning our first job. But do you have any tricks for maybe women that might be shy a little bit to, to come to the events and maybe apply to jobs and, is there anything that you've done or any piece of advice you could give to, to your, your fellow female students? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because what I'm going to say, it's, it's easy to say, but maybe hard to do. But it's honestly, don't be shy. The industry is looking for women. Everyone is reaching out saying like, do you know a friend? Do you have a girlfriend that would be interested? Everyone is looking for smart, driven women. Yes, it is male dominated, but there is space for us and there's space also for different personalities. So for example, I think I tend to be more on like a masculine 
type of personality like based on culture so I'm very competitive like I'm very you know I'm very playful like I'll tease my colleagues like I'll joke around with everyone so I think for me it was very easy to get in because of that but there's also that other side like looking for you know more the like the the woman we analyze things differently and I'm not just saying this like there's studies about that and yeah. I think the industry has realized that and is looking for that kind of mentality, you know, when looking at a deal, when interacting with everyone, right? Because you interact, you have bankers, you have lawyers, you have the tax uh, people, like it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a people business at the end of the day. So don't be shy, reach out and start small maybe if you're shy so going to the pizza events maybe and then you'll you'll kind of I think the more you do the more you understand how people interact in the industry and what's yeah. the I'll say a very Gen Z word but like what's the vibe <laughs> yeah. there's like a way to do it that you just learn by doing it and then the more you do it the more you're comfortable right so the less shy you'll be and I'm just going to say this, an interview is never going to be not stressful. So you really just have to do it and put yourself out there. That's right. And it's it's funny you mentioned that. We were talking the other day. We came across a study about how women portfolio managers have actually outperformed uh, men portfolio managers, uh, you know, historically. And that's because because they become less, they're, they're more diligent and they become, become less cocky. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's something that we think was, was extremely interesting. So yeah. another question that we had was obviously while you're a student, like while you're in the classroom, maybe a lot of the things that you learn aren't exactly directly transferable to the job. So we were curious about, you know, different things that you did while you were a student at JMSB to learn like really the technical aspects of the job and prepare for your interviews, you know, on the, on the more quantitative side. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I think when I got my job at NovaCap, I was like fully researching what is EBITDA. Like I was there, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then when I came back to school after, so I did eight months back to back, right? Because I did NovaCap in the winter and then BMO, trading floor in the summer so when I came back I was like oh that's what they meant like so there is you know once you get into your second year third year classes like the option classes it's actually good like it's just um I'd say the difference between school and work is that at school you're seeing like as an investor and when you get to work you're like on the sales side so you're selling those products to your clients so the like investment mindset is different um i can get into more details if you want but um so yeah i think like those like second year third year classes are important i think you know there's like the the valuation classes or something like that like you do dcfs i don't think like the actual model that you're making in class is what you do in real life like it's much more complicated but it just shows you you know, how to work Excel, like how tabs are linked, how, uh, you know, how to make something flow and how to get into a document, like an Excel document and be able to understand the formulas. Because once you get to work as an analyst, you're getting like 
huge models and they're like okay just plug it in like change everything and then you have to go line by line understand each formula so learning in school how to do index match like it really seems like easy but you need to know it and it's just easier if you use your time at school to do that so i'd say like the dcs class is good obviously like knowing like pv and stuff like that but i think that's just basic options class is good um what else i'm trying to remember it's been like <laughs> yeah, yeah. a few months um but yeah so i think that i i'd summarize it as like excel get to know excel like get to know what a or also asset classes right what a bond is i think i didn't realize it in class like because i didn't care i was like oh i'm not gonna be a bond trader but then all the different types of debt you get like yeah. in a deal and then it's structured with funky debt and you have to understand it if i had to go back i'd focus a little bit more on that <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's we, we can get lost and it's it's because we don't really apply it that much but i guess it, it's a good uh, base and learning yeah. the fundamentals is definitely super important so listen in class that's that's the yeah that's what we got to remember and i'm just wondering you you kind of touched on it at uh your internship at bmo but if you could maybe explain what a rotational program entails and like why sales and trading and maybe walk us through your day uh day to day it's super uh super interesting job and i think uh, many people will be interested by that yeah i think it's funny because um when you're in school, everyone's like, you have to be in investment banking and blah, blah, blah. But um, the trading floor is actually really mentally challenging. And it's, I think it's the, the schedule. It fits some kind of people like better than investment banking. And I think personality wise, it's also like very different from investment banking. So I think students should check it out and a good way to do it is through a rotational program so essentially a trading floor it's not just stocks so stocks are um you know equity from like a company like there's shares and you can trade them but a trading floor like for example bmo in toronto there's 400 people so we're trading for an exchange so that's like when you go on vacation and you buy US or you buy Mexican pesos or whatever, that's like a foreign exchange trade. So we're doing the same thing, but thousands yeah. <laughs> of millions of dollars, like the, you know, like it's 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 very it's a large market, right? Because like companies, for example. So I'll give an example. Um B, like BRP, take any like Quebec companies like Bell or whatever. Yeah. They might do business outside of Canada or they might have costs like BRP. I think it's a very nice example. So BRP, they can buy, um, you know, like pieces from uh, for like their their motor like things. Um, they'll buy it in Mexico or in Europe or whatever. So they have expenses that are in different currencies. And in order to plan ahead, because every business plans ahead, right? You, you yeah. do like your budget. Yeah. So you have like a threshold of, okay, I can pay up to, for example, like the Euro. They're like, I can pay up until I, I'm, I'm giving a, 
like it's it's fiction it's not real examples just for like legal <laughs> so for compliance example, compliance say, yeah exactly so for example if they say like okay we can pay up for that part um 1.45 i'd like to pay 130 but like i'm i'm okay until paying 1.45 so we as bank like so we're salespeople, so it's sales and trading we will try to um, make a product so it will be a derivative. It will be an option. Um, you'll see that in class. Like I can't <laughs> start explaining what options yeah. are, but like, You're so we will, yeah, exactly. We will structure a derivative, like an option that will give them like the the threshold that they're uh, willing to pay. So they can participate, like if the market goes lower, for example, we will structure something that they can pay lower, but if it goes higher, there will be like a, a roof, for example. Or if there's also the other side, like if you're um, having revenues outside of Canada and you want to switch it back to Canadian dollars, well, we can do something like, okay, we'll block the bottom and we'll give you like participation to the upside. So that's something like that's one aspect of the trading floor. That's like foreign exchange. And then there's like institutional clients. So institutional clients, it's like CDPQ, PSP. Um, so they do like they they try to make money out of those trades. So it's not for expenses. It's not for them to um, switch, you know, currencies for their operations. It's really for investing purposes. Um, and then you also have commercial clients. And that's for the whole trading floor. That's for every single product. So either you're on, you know, stocks, uh, interest rates, FX, commodities, whatever, you will always have those like uh, client threshold. Commercial is like a small business. So think yeah. about like in Montreal, if you if you're have like a, a family business and you sell to the US and you wanna, you know, trade, that's uh, also covered on the trading floor. Um, so I don't know if you want me to cover like any more products, but oh. I basically, so I went on the foreign exchange for two weeks. I went on the interest rates for a week. Then there's also like bond trading in Montreal. So that's uh, more covered for institutional clients. So they will trade uh, government debt. That That's like bond. Yeah. Um, then I think I covered a little bit of commercial clients on FX and interest rates. Um, that's basically what, and equities. So that's what we have in Montreal. And then if you go to Toronto, well, then you can do oil and gas, commodities, you know, like sterling, you can do whatever. Like it's, it's, uh, it's very large. Right. It's a weird, I, I was curious, you know, just because I've never, I, I don't know that many people have gone personally who have gone to sales and trading, but it seems like such an interesting career path. So what, what's the interview process like, you know, compared to maybe other jobs in finance for sales and trading? And then I know that you you eventually went on full time. So how do you how do you stand out as an intern in sales and trading? Yeah, that's a very good question. So it's 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 not popular because there's not a lot of opportunities for I think students in Montreal since we're yeah. like in Concordia, you'd have to go to Toronto or New York and it's less tangible, right? Like when you see movies, it's always 
investment bankers. And if like there's in selling <laughs> trading, it's only stocks. So people are like, what yeah, is yeah. this? So the interview process for, you know, juniors, people know that. Like you're the the people interviewing you, they know you don't know. <laughs> so it's a little different from like an investment banking. Like you can have you can study a guide, but basically the questions usually are about the market and how what do you know about the market? And when I mean the market, I'm saying everything. So they will ask you, what do you think about the market? And then you can maybe talk about the equity market. You can talk about the FX market, the rates market, like what's going on right now. Um, and what they want to see is, are you interested? Do you follow the news? Do you follow the markets? You know, do you follow, do you read the Wall Street Journal? Do you read the Financial yeah. Times, whatever? That's what they want to see because they know there's no way as a student in your like bachelor that you can know about the products that we're trading on the trading floor. Um, and then they will ask you about like school questions, right? So if you've done your uh, options and derivatives class, they might ask you like what to put, what to call, what blah, 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 you know? Um, and then they always do brain teasers to really? see how you think. <laughs> um that's stressful right because you can't you can't <laughs> prepare for that so i think yeah it's it's a little harder because you can't prepare as much as like an investment banking like consulting pe interview but then you have like more leeway to talk about what you know and what you're interested in so i think it it's it's also good for for students you know it forces you to yeah. um to apply what you learn at school um and then i think what made me stand out was again my personality i was very comfortable talking to um every single like level of uh, i mean it's hierarchy but <laughs> so yeah. i i'd reach out to mds i'd reach out to everyone it was the summer of covid so like the first summer. So I would just write emails like, hey, can we get on a chat? And I literally talk with the 50 people on the trading floor, at least everyone for one hour. And wow. I asked them like, what do you do? What's your job? Why you like it? What, you, what don't you like about your job? You know, very basic questions, but just getting my name out there and being able to do follow-up questions. I think that's very important when you're talking with people in the, in the industry. Because they don't want to feel like you prepared so much and you're just doing it to do it. You know, they want to know you're, you're reaching out because you want to learn, because you're interesting, uh, interested in what they're doing. So I think I stood out because I was very much able to have a good conversation with everyone on the trading floor. And it's a sales job, right? So you have to be good at talking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, I, I guess personality is definitely important. And I think one of the goal of the podcast is to to push students to network more. And I think you said it, don't be scared to just reach out and have a conversation. I think you don't, you don't need to have a list of perfect questions for every chat you're going to have. So just to, to send a quick email and <clears throat> go for, for 20, 30 minute chat is, is, is more than enough. And I think Alice is an incredible example of the power of networking, but you, if you do a bit of that, I think you'll, uh, you'll end up being successful. And I'm, I'm just wondering, so you said that you networked a lot at BMO and 
if you could touch on like your transition to sort of the buy side at Power Sustainable, I, I'm interested and, and curious to hear a bit uh, about that. You said the day-to-day was a bit repetitive at BMO. So maybe if you could talk about your transition and your new, uh, your new role and the responsibilities uh, in Intel, it would be great. Yeah. Well, because the thing is, since, you know, the 2008, um, the trading floor have, like, I think every team is much more restricted on what you can do and what you can say. Like, there's a lot of compliance now. Uh, you know, I think one of the big change to just give you like an image, it's like before 2008, banks could take on risk. And yeah. since 2008, now we're just market makers. So the goal of like our traders is to make sure that what you're trying to sell to your client is actually there to be bought or what you're trying, your client is trying to sell, you're there to buy it. So I don't know if like that makes sense, but so to maybe, me, yeah. Maybe you yeah. could give an example of like taking on risk. What does that mean for, for a bank? Like, is there like an example of a trade like that you can think of? Well, so you always have to net your risk, right? So if you're like, yeah. for example, if you're selling US and buying Canadian, like for, okay, I'll, I'll state from the, the client's point of view, okay? So sure. your client is a Canadian company and they want to buy a $100 US. So they're going to buy a $100 US with Canadian, right? So yeah. as the bank, you have to sell them $100 US, but you... If you sell them $100 US, you have like that risk of, um, you know, now you don't have that 100. You're like, your book is not at zero, right? Like if you start the day at zero, let's say you sell them 100, you're like minus 100. So you always have to bring your book back to zero. So okay. then I'll go in, the, the trader will sell, for example, the trader will sell them, you uh, buy their US and they'll go sell it right away after in the market. It, sometimes it's at the end of the day, you, you net your book, but like it's it's just, you have to be at zero at the end of the day. Is, is that, is it clear? Do you want me to? I no, can yeah, that, that makes sense. I think it's, yeah. it was just to give a bit of like a uh, tangible, like more example, but I think that's, that's great. So yeah. So like, for example, before 2008, traders were making bonuses at the end of the year based on their book performance they would do trades based on their view of the market to make yeah. more money but so now they're not doing yeah so they would hold you know maybe they do like i don't know 100 trades a day right so if they had view they would like hold the risk overnight and then wait for the next day and do that and yeah. so now you can't do that anymore like you have to net your your risk at the end of the day yeah I got, it's, it's always hard to say, like, I can do it. And then when I try to say it, you, you get always mixed up because it's always, like, so it. but yeah. Um, so what was I saying? Oh yeah. So my day today, why, why it was boring. <laughs> no, it wasn't boring, but I, so you're very limited. There's a lot of compliance. Um, as like a salesperson, you can have a view of the market but for example if i'm sending an email i can speak at the first person i can say i think 
that the U.S. is going to go up. After they BMO economists think that blah 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 wow. because of compliance. Yeah. So it's like I think it's there's not as much leeway as there was before. You know, when you read those yeah. books, like the, um, you know, all the the movies and the books and whatever. Like I think before it was more fun because the market was a lot more um, also, um, how do you say, like, it wasn't as open. Like, now you can see the bid-ask on, like, anything, any second, right? So everyone knows, and your clients are very sophisticated. Like, they all have Bloomberg, so they are all seeing the bid-ask. Yeah. You know, before, they didn't have any idea. So you would give them a price, you'd be like, okay, you know, it fits in my budget, like, whatever, like, sure. But now it's like you get um, pushback from the clients on like cents, you know? So to me, it was just like also the 7 a.m. I can't do it. <laughs> curiosity, have you watched Industry? Yeah, uh, yeah. You have? So what yeah. if, from your perspective, like what are your thoughts on, on a show like that and how they portray the, the trading floor? Um, so they give like too much responsibility to the analyst as an analyst you're not meeting the client there's no way like a trading floor is very conservative um so that's one uh two it's funny because they're making the big um like the big team as like the the equity like stocks team but i think a lot more desk have like a lot of other products are more interesting now um, you know, they're, they're more complicated, they're more sophisticated. Um, so that's like, I think that's funny, but the thing that really stands out and like, when I speak with my friends, it's, it's, it's impossible that analysts on the trading floor have that much responsibility <laughs> and like are making big calls, you know, and they're like, yeah, like I'll do this right now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very dramatic. For sure. Yeah. 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 But the the work hard, play hard is is true. Not at their, you know, season one was a bit intense. Like that was yeah. a, a little First shocking. episode is scary, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think it represents well, though, your like mentality as like an analyst in finance. It's, it's very intense. You work very hard. Uh, you have a lot of pressure. That's true. Like that, those aspects of the show are all true. Yeah. And yeah. I think everyone likes to work hard, play hard. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. So, no, I think that's, it, it's funny that you mentioned that and this, we've all watched that movie. So uh, it's, it's, it's a fun job and hopefully it opens the eyes of, of people. Let's, uh, let's transition. If I can use that word, you exited to, uh, to the buy side. So I'm wondering why you did that and maybe like how was it through networking i think you mentioned you had a coffee chat with your current boss so mm-hmm. maybe if you could talk to us about that i'm i'm definitely interested yeah so because uh, my first internship was at NovaCap on the buy side right in private equity um i knew a bit of the day today and i knew i really really enjoyed that so the more long term projects right a deal can take a few months uh, you have like daily tasks, but it's a long-term project. Um, you have more flexibility and, you know, I can go to lunch with a friend when you're on trading floor, you can't. Um, and also just 
to me, having like more diversity in my day. So having meetings and then I'm working on a model and then I'm getting feedback and then I'm working on a presentation. Like I really like that dynamic during the day. Yeah. Um, and why I went directly like to PE, it's really because I, I worked at NovaCap. It's like sometimes it's just, you know, the life takes you somewhere and you just follow it. Like for me, that was it. Um, so when I started reaching out to people, I reached out at NovaCap. Um, I did the interview process. I also reached out at, you know, Power Sustainable uh, because I had a friend that uh, went through the interview process, but she decided uh, to stay where she's at right now. Um, and to me, really was the fit. So when I met with my VP, we had that kind of chat that we're having right now. It was supposed to be just like an intro chat. And we spoke, I think, for an hour and a half. And we didn't even speak about like finance things. It, it was just uh, mutual experiences, like travels, food, growing up. Like we just bonded on everything. And I just thought like, oh, he's really like he's someone I want to work with um and a big thing was also that power sustainable you know I work in the infrastructure fund so we invest in renewables like solar farms wind farms uh battery storage so that was also like a big factor um for me to you know it was a a big way in in my decision um but I think, you know, it's the same as investment banking in the sense that you're going to get a case, you're going to have to do a model, you're going to have to explain it, you're going to maybe have to do a little presentation. I didn't for that role, but it's, it's basically like the same as investment banking. Um, the only difference is that you're a buyer, right? So there's sometimes like there's more... Um, questions about like why would you buy that why do you think it's a good investment um you know what are the risks that you see in that investment so i think that's like the buy side aspect of it um and on your day-to-day -day, what like my day-to-day -day really like i said it's it's i work on deals so i work on m a and um i i'll review like so like a classic process is you get a sim, like it's a presentation giving you the overview of the company. So it can go from like 20 pages or 100 pages. It really depends. <laughs> uh, so as an analyst, I analyze that and I do like a 10 pager with that document that I present to my team. And also we take their model and we put it in our format. Okay. So that's what I also do. And then once we get the go on it, we sign like a an like an LOI. So we just like give a first like bid on the project, uh, and then we get access to the data room. So that's when you have a bunch of documents, like the whole thing. You have operations, performance, because I'm in renewables. But like if it's a business, you know, you get all the HR stuff, all the contracts, all the costs, like all the you know, it's you really get access to the whole business and you have to analyze it and then you do another presentation so that's like a bigger presentation maybe 50 100 pages whatever that you present um, to your uh, investment committee inside the fund 
And also you update the model based on your findings, right? So if you found that, oh, the cost more than $10, they were 25. Well, then you'll update your model with all all of your findings and uh, you calculate your new bid. And uh, once you get approved from, uh, you know, inside the company, like inside the fund, then you can bid. So that's an IOI. Um, And if you get retained, well, then you're in exclusivity. So they will retain maybe one or two bidders and you go through the final stages. So like legal, you know, can we close regulatory uh, approvals, all that stuff. And then you close the deal, hopefully. So that's the (laughs) buy side in like a nutshell. Yeah, exactly. That seems like a lot of people I know that their their end goal is to to end up on the buy side, and so many people enjoy it so much and see it as long term career paths. So, we're really happy to get a little bit of insight into that. Obviously, yeah. we we appreciate you coming on the podcast. We thought your your career was extremely interesting, and we think that a lot of students could could look up to to paths similar to yours. And so, maybe really quickly, uh, just an ending note that you may have for first students, whether they're first years or, or their last years, maybe a word of advice for anyone who would want to, you know, follow a path similar to yours. Yeah. So I'd say, put yourself out there, reach out to everyone and don't be shy to be yourself. That's what will shine the most. And also, if you want to reach out to me, you know, you can, you have my name now, uh, so you can reach out on LinkedIn and I'll be happy to uh, speak with the, with y'all. <laughs> also, don't forget to follow Alice on TikTok. She's, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> she's pretty famous on that platform. So yeah. yeah uh, thank yeah. you so much, Alice, for, for coming on our, on our podcast and hopefully you have a, a great time at Power Sustainable. I think you're set for, uh, for a good future and uh, thank you so much for coming again. Well, it was a pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. All right. Thank you.